With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. show special edition for those of you who are tuning in which the numbers are looking extremely awesome tonight we have uh, as our guest tonight uh, Dr. Umar and uh, he's coming to Jacksonville on December 28th and we're going to get right into it we're not going to be able to take a lot of phone calls I see Atlanta's in the building uh, DC's in the building uh, things like that that's really really great so I know who Dr. Umar is. Uh, I think I first seen Dr. Umar hidden my first experience, and then I started following him on uh, the videos that I've seen on YouTube. And for some of you who have been under a rock and don't know who Dr. Umar is, I'm going to give you the opportunity for him to explain to who he is. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Dr. Umar Johnson. Dr. Johnson, how are you? All is well. Thanks for having me on the show. Peace and love to the brothers and sisters down there in Jacksonville and throughout the state of Black Florida. I'm Dr. Umar Johnson. I'm a doctor of clinical psychology. I'm a certified school psychologist as well as a certified school principal. I'm author of the book, Psychoacademic Holocaust, the Special Education and ADHD Wars Against Black Boys, founder of the National Independent Black Parent Association, and I'm coming to Jacksonville the third day of Kwanzaa to drop a very, very powerful message on the state of education, but also the state of our people and what we need to start doing for ourselves under this next presidential administration. That's, that's awesome. Now, uh, I can't overlook what's on the flyer. And for those of you who have not seen the flyer, it's uh, the gift and the curse, why a trumped-up White House could actually benefit black people. Now, that's a huge uh, topic and very controversial. Can you give us a little bit uh, what you mean by that? Oh, certainly. Black people have a dependence on the United States government to solve their problems, and we love when presidents and other elected officials make promises to us that we know they're not going to keep. But we love it because psychologically – it allows us to lessen our obligation and responsibility to ourselves, and it allows us to not feel guilt for not being responsible for our own situation. So under Barack Obama, we had the illusion of inclusion for eight years, and despite the fact that black people could clearly see with both eyes 
that America had not changed its attitude towards blacks. We saw with the killings and everything else that this was not a new America. It was not a post-racial America. It was the same old America. But because President Barack Obama made promises during his campaign and because he continued to mislead black people with bound-sounding bites about how things were going to get better in this country, under President Trump and the return of the Republican regime, there will be no promises to black people. There will be no type of policy that's designed to help us. So basically the gift of the situation is that we cannot make excuses for why we are not doing anything for ourselves as we did with Barack Obama. It is clear and it is evident that if anything is going to happen for black people the next eight years in this country, it's going to have to happen by black people. You know, you know, I, I said something uh, similar to that. After, after the election, I, I made a comment, and I got ripped for this. I said since uh, Trump is president, I said I, I believe, this is my belief, that black people will come together and, and possibly do better. Now, I got ripped to shreds on social media for, for saying that. I got called all types of uh, names and things like that. But is there – I'm misleading when it comes to us having a black president. Do you think that as a people, as black people, we ourselves are color struck? We're like, okay, well, we have a black man in the White House. We're good. We don't care what he do. He's black, so we're good. Well, that was definitely the mindset. It was very immature, and I believe that our great-grandchildren's great-grandchildren are going to still be suffering the aftershocks of the Obama presidency. The the most sickening thing of the Obama administration was the fact that he did look out for all the other so-called minority groups in this country. He aggressively campaigned for homosexuals. In fact, his first four years was nothing but about homosexuality. He gave the homosexuals three federal laws. He gave white women equal pay act. He passed historic legislation for immigrants. Obama took care of every non-white group in this country except black people. And he is not to be totally blamed for this because unlike an Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson who ran for president before Obama, to his credit, and I don't give him much of it, but to his credit, he never promised to do anything for black people. It was us with our religious immaturity and our uh, indoctrination into believing that a Christ has to come and save us. We projected onto Obama this mystique of a savior, which he never volunteered uh, to, um, to, to assume and never proved that he would assume. And so for eight years, we literally stood there and watched everything we fought for get snatched back because we felt we had to be loyal to a president who was not loyal to us. Okay, okay. Um, but before I ask my next question, I'll let the audience know, hey, if you guys, you can call in at 215-383-3969. That number is 215-383-3969. Three nine six five. If you would like to speak to Dr. Umar, hit one, and uh, I'm, you don't mind if I take a couple of calls, do you? No, sir. Okay, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to take a, a couple of calls. But before I do that, I had a I had a question because uh, I got a message in because I have a live message feed and live calls, and one of the callers said, "Is it possible that because he was a black president that we just didn't push him enough?" For instance. And, and they have a very valid point. The LBGT community really was in his face a lot. I mean, they were really pushing the issues. I mean, they made everything about gay rights. Even here in Jacksonville, it was about gay rights, gay rights, gay rights, gay rights. Do you think as black people we're just not doing enough 
when we get an elected official in office? Are we just kind of sitting back and just chilling, or, or yes, uh, did well, Obama this, cripple this, us? Yeah, oh, he he most certainly crippled us, but he crippled us with our permission. Uh, more so than saying Obama crippled us, I would say we crippled ourselves through Obama because I'm, I, I don't want to make him accountable for anything he did not promise. I have to be fair to him. And he never promised mm-hmm. at all that even when he ran for president, although he spoke to black people, he spoke to black people very indirectly. You know, so to his credit, again, he never, ever even insinuated that he had a black agenda. It was we all who projected onto him this romanticized vision of what a black president was going to do for black people. As I've often stated, our understanding of American politics is extremely immature and underdeveloped. Uh, We don't need black people in office. We don't. What we need is black power to control whomever the office holders are going to be. Chinese may never, ever run a candidate for elected office. They may never, ever be nominated by either major party to be a president of the United States or even a governor. They may never have the numbers to even uh, make a serious run for any elected office, but it doesn't matter. Chinese do well regardless who the president or the governor or the mayor is because Chinese understand that the first rule of politics is economic empowerment. Any group of people that is not economically empowered is going to be taken advantage of whether their president comes from their community or not. And on the flip side, any community that is economically organized and empowered is going to be able to force whomever is in office to carry out their agenda, whether they like them or not. So our money dictates our politics. Our economic health as a community dictates our politics. It's not the other way around. Okay, I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to take our first call of the day. Uh, caller number one, you are on the line with Real Talk. Robert and Dr. Umar, what's your question? You're there? Hello? Hello? Uh, yeah, you're on, you're on the air. I, ha- I have one question. Um, I just have a question. Um, Dr. Umar, was he was stating about how um, – Obama, this question is for Dr. Umar. You were stating how Obama is in office, but he didn't have a black agenda. Um, and I and I agree with you that it was the fact that people automatically assume because he's a black person, he was automatically going to have our agenda. Um, do you feel that as a black president that Obama, whether he had a black agenda or not, was should have or been obligated to stand up for black Americans' killings and the police shootings. Um, I noticed when the mayor of Baltimore, Stephanie Rollins-Blake, when she spoke out and she labeled um, African Americans who was frustrated about the shooting of Freddie Gray, she labeled them as thugs and and gangsters, Obama didn't take a stance on that. Do you think that he let us down by never taking a stand on any issue when it affected our community? Well, remember President Obama in a press conference that wasn't held uh, not too long after the mayor of Baltimore's press conference was held. He, too, uh, reiterated her comments and also called Mm -hmm. the brothers and sisters in Baltimore thugs. Um, And he also uh, did take a stand. He took a stand on the side of the police. Barack Obama passed 
a hate crimes bill against police, excuse me, for the benefit of police. So people mm-hmm. who in any way, shape, or form look like that they're trying to challenge the disrespect or disobey the law would be able to suffer harsher consequences. So while black people were being murdered by police, the so-called black president uh, signed a law that made it even more difficult for you to defend yourself in the face of police brutality as opposed to signing a law that made it more difficult for police to exterminate you without any just cause. So Obama was very clear where he, where he stood. He has always mm-hmm. stood on the side of police, which is very uh, – I would, you know, would expect that because the president of the United States is the chief of all military, and he is the chief law enforcement officer. And I felt that what he could have done, if nothing else, is he should have ordered a United States Department of Justice full federal investigation into the systematic killings. Of, it may not have resulted in anything, right. but it would have sent a symbol to black people that I at least am concerned with what's happening. He didn't even send out a symbolic gesture. And I'm not surprised. Look at his whole political career. Barack Obama mm-hmm. has never taken a stand for black people, never. Not in Chicago, not as a state senator of Illinois. So why would his, why would his conduct be any different as president? People do not change their behavior overnight. He has always served and placated a white agenda, and he always will. Biologically, he may be black, but psychologically, Mm -hmm. he's all white. Wow. Well, well, thank you. Thank you very much for your call. We're going to move on to the next call. Um, Obviously, this is a a heated discussion because as you guys are talking, the phone lines are, like, lighting up. So I'm I'm going to go to to the next call, and then we're going to talk a a, a little bit. We have about uh, 16, 15 minutes. I'm going to go to the next call. Uh, go ahead, caller. You are on the air. Hello, uh, caller. You're on the air. Hello, Dr. Umar. Yeah, you're, yes, you're here with Real Talk Robert and Dr. Umar. Hi, uh, Real Talk Robert. I'm so sorry. I'm just really, really upset that the fact I heard Dr. Umar say that Donald Trump uh, is going to pretty much uh, have it to where black people are. He's like, I guess uh, you're saying uh, Obama held our hands or crippled us and that Donald Trump is going to come and just totally demolish everything that's good for black people. I have to disagree with you there because uh, well, I, well, I, doing I, the whole I, I campaign – Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, doing the whole campaign, uh, we're all aware that Donald Trump won this, uh, the elect and he um, – he didn't. He never really gave an agenda for what he was going to do. So to jump to say that he's going to make it to where black people have to stand on their own, like I feel like that's pretty much jumping the gun, if you will. And because he didn't really say what he was going to do, so you don't know. So my question to you is: Are you saying that just because he's a Republican Party, because this country was founded off of the Republican Party, and those are the traditions, the traditional <laughs> and the uh, principles okay, that we well, are? Can I, can I... Can I? Can I? Can I, I Please I have do. To object. Excuse me, Doctor Umar. Excuse me. I, I mean, I personally believe, and this is my personal belief, and this is not the reflection of Doctor Umar's belief. I think that this election, I don't think that Trump is going to do more for Black people. I think that it's a wake-up call for Black people, and that indirectly should be uh, enough to affect us, and we can take it from there. I mean, if I'm, but if I'm wrong. You know, please correct me. But Dr. Umar, you can definitely uh, answer that question. Well, the question was a little confusing because I never said that Donald Trump was going to do anything for black people. Um, as a political science major, 
I've basically studied every presidential administration we've had since George Washington. And it's never been a president in this country who has ever done anything significantly to level out the political or economic playing field for black folks and white folks. Our power relationship vis-a-vis white folks has not changed a single iota since the 13th Amendment. I don't expect Donald Trump really doesn't have to introduce anything new to oppress black people further. Much of that was already in place. Obama continued with it, and Donald Trump is going to continue with it. See, we have to realize that the danger of going forward in the United States of America, not only Trump, but every president thereafter, is we did not hold Obama accountable. That is significant. Because for 44 presidential administrations, black people always had something to say to the president about how they were being treated and what the president was not doing. For 43 consecutive presidents, Obama is the first president since George Washington who was able to enjoy an atmosphere where black people never even criticized his neglect of their, of their issues and needs. And because we did not hold wow. him accountable, wow. you set a precedent. Where you don't, where it's almost impossible to hold any other president accountable after him. We dug the ditch for ourselves more than any president could do. Go ahead, one more. Can I ask one more question? Do you feel it would have been different? And if so, what would have been different had Hillary Clinton won? Uh, the difference with Hillary versus uh, Donald Trump is, again, the illusion of inclusion would have continued. And for me, uh, black people believing that America is going to do anything for them is always a recipe for disaster because it basically has puts us in a straitjacket psychologically but we don't feel we have to work harder because they're promising things. To answer your question, nothing would have been different, nothing at all. Uh, we got to realize something. Donald Trump did not have a black agenda, neither did Hillary. Uh, President Obama did not have a black agenda, neither did John McCain. Okay, uh, George Bush uh, didn't have a black agenda, neither did Al Gore. No president <laughs> has ever articulated anything specifically that they were going to do for black folks. So even the belief that things are going to get better because you elect one person versus the other is based on political ignorance. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your call very much. Um, yeah, but that, was, that was a very interesting call. And a lot of people, I think, are starting to realize um, in a sense of, you know, and what you, what you said was very, very powerful, and I had not even thought of that. This has probably been the first administration where blacks have not been outraged at the president. And um, had every reason to see <laughs> the significance <laughs> is not only that we were not outraged. That's part of the significance. But the other thing that was historical about the past eight years, we had every reason to be outraged. Obama was watching police murder black people like flies and roaches and said nothing or did anything legally against it. Look at how he aggressively went on the defense for homosexuals. Pair how he went on the defense for homosexuals with how he refused to go on the defense for black folks. Not only that, look at every indicator of success. Graduation is down for our students. Okay, wealth ownership is down. Unemployment is up. Mass incarceration is up. Our numbers under Barack Obama are worse than they were under George Bush, and yet we sat there with our hands folded and said, leave my president alone while his police kills our children. Wow, wow. 
And, guys, remember, if you're on the line and you would like to speak to Dr. Umar, we're going to take a few more calls. Make sure you press 1. The number to call in is 215-383-3969. Again, that is 215-383-3969. I'm going to go to our next call. I know you guys want to get in and speak to him. But guess what? If you don't make it to speak to Dr. Umar tonight, you can always see him Wednesday, December 28, 2016, at the Regency Square Mall Event Planning Center. And that address is Suite 205 9501 Arlington Expressway. You guys know what that is. And please also the let call. them know, good brother. Mm-hmm. Also let them know the program will be from 6 to 9. The doors will open up at 4. They can get their tickets at princeofpanafricanism.eventbrite.com. Again, princeofpanafricanism.eventbrite.com, where they can text me, and I will send them the link at area code 215-989-9858. Again, 215-989-9858. Every black parent in Jacksonville needs to be there to get this information about how they can do it better, the different strategies that are going to be thrown at them through the miseducation machine. All right. We're going to go to our next call. Okay, caller, you're on the air. How are you? Hello? Carla, you're there. Hello, how are you doing today? How are you? Yes, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Dr. O? Dr. Umar? Good evening, my brother. Yes, yeah, a pleasure to speak with you. Yes, um, I got a question. Uh, I actually work in the Duval County school system, and I've, sometimes it's the kids. I, I know it's not all their fault. Sometimes it's the parents. Uh, sometimes I don't have a desire to learn, it seems like, so... Sometimes, you know, I will try to empower them with uh, business and financial concepts. So what do you think would be a good ignition point, you know, to get them to actually mind sparked in that direction? Okay, you're speaking of the children or yes. the parents? Children. Well, both, both actually because it starts from the top. So what, what, what do you think is the best route? To well, with the classroom, I think one thing that children always love to talk about is money. And unfortunately, there's almost no courses on economics in public school. Um, Economics is almost forbidden from being taught in public school, and that's largely been influenced by the corporate sector because they don't want the people to to really understand how money works so that they will always consent to simply being laborers within the industry as opposed to being giants of that industry. But I think once you bring money to the table, and I tell math teachers and science teachers this, if you want to get their attention, start discussing money. With money, you have to deal with decimals. With money, you have to, you have to deal with commas. But the key to keeping a child's attention is to make the instruction relevant. And as a former school principal myself, I used to always, always, always remind my teachers of how you have to make sure the lessons are relevant. You have to tie it to their everyday life. A lesson that is tied to a child's everyday life is going to quadruple the amount of intellectual force they bring to that lesson, as opposed to a lesson that is not relevant at all. It's going to be boring. They're not going to pay attention. They're going to uh, disengage from the learning environment and subsequently be diagnosed with ADHD and have drugs shoved down their throat. So, so economics, bringing that money to the table, have them write business planning. I think a powerful lesson or project rather would be business planning. Teach them the process of business planning. Have them create business plans. Have them present their business plan to their peers. Have the peers critique it and maybe even have them work in groups where they have to come up with the business plan as a group because black people need to learn how to work together and the best way to do that is to start making our children work together in the classroom. Yeah, Amen. Amen to that. Thank you so much. Yes, because I have an academy I'm setting up to teach the kids financial literacy and business concepts. 
But to bring that angle up, I actually like that. So I'm going to incorporate that into the academy as well. Thank you. Yeah. Hope to see okay. you on the 28th. Thank you for your brother. call. Yes, I will. Let's we'll make sure we see you on, on the 28th. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I just want to – I don't want to go off topic too much, but um, I saw the – I forgot what show you was on. You were talking about the ADHD. And, you know, that is something that is plaguing young black boys um, all over America. You know, I've never seen it this high in my life. Everybody means that – everybody's ADHD now. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's in the food or or, or, or or what, but could you briefly uh, just hit that a little bit? And then, I'm, you know, I know we're going to have to talk about all this on Wednesday, but give them a little bit of what cause what you were saying because it was so oh, deep and it was so on top. Uh, ADHD, Man. ADHD came to us in 1980. The American Psychiatric Association dropped the ADHD bomb the same year that the CIA dropped crack cocaine off in the black community. Long story short, the United States government started doping up children at the same time they started doping up adults. The American Medical Association says that Ritalin acts upon the brain the same way that crack cocaine does. Uh, chemically speaking, Ritalin is only one molecule away from crack cocaine. It has the same side effects as crack cocaine, and the side effects to the brain are just as debilitating as crack cocaine. And ADHD as a diagnosis, as a disability, cannot be proven to exist. It is an opinion. It cannot be verified by scientific fact. But basically, our kids are not only being over-medicated and miseducated, it's happening by way of a diagnosis that has no scientific basis in fact. Wow. Okay, well, we'll talk more about that, I guess, on Wednesday, but we're going to go to um, uh, probably our last call, last call of the night. And uh, go ahead, caller. You are on the air with Dr. Umar. We'll talk with Robert Simmons. How are you? Hi. How are you tonight, Brother Umar? Good evening, Queen. Who's uh, calling in? Robert is a very good friend of mine. How are you doing tonight, Robert? Who's um, calling? Was calling in because I happened to catch program, and I've been promoting it all week because. You know, I search for culture and, I, and, and intellectual stimulation and, and on the issues that I'm concerned about. And um, we welcome you to Jacksonville. Um, I wanted to say that, you know, <clears throat> we need to get back to looking out for our own because it takes a village to raise a child. We can't send our children to public school and expect them to educate our children the way that they need to be educated. Um, that has to come from our community. Um, I am part of Generation X, you know. I come from a generation of people that, you know, we looked out for each other's children. We've gotten into this new age parenting where, you know, people are reluctant to counsel other people's children. But, you know, we are educators. We are nurses. We are doctors. We are scientists. We give our gifts away to our jobs, and we don't have much left for our own children. <clears throat> but I say that to say that it's up to us to ensure the survival of us. And it's a harsh reality, but that's exactly what it is. It's a reality. We can depend on the president to push an agenda to benefit us because they never have and they never will. We can't depend on anybody else to put our needs before theirs. We built this country 
and we are on the bottom. And it's up to us to bring ourselves up, to bring ourselves through. Um, and, you know, I asked the question in answer of, you know, what will America look like post-Trump? Trump is a businessman. He's not a politician. And he's going to conduct business as usual. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, us as African Americans, we need to step it up. We need to do what we know we need to do and stop expecting them to take care of us because they're not going to. I really, really appreciate it, but we're, we're pressed for time. I know you said, you know, who, who is this? Sophia you know me, but, Loren. Oh, hey, Sophie. How are you? How are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love you, sister. Well, we got. I'm gonna try to squeeze in one yeah. more, one more call because we got about a, one minute left uh, on the yeah. show. But thank you for your call. Make sure that you're at the Regency thank Square you. Mall on December I 28th. Sure will. I look and for the guys to that, um, for those who didn't get a chance to listen to the show tonight, uh, we were actually, I believe, on the 27th. We're gonna do a actual show where you can actually see it visually. But I'm gonna squeeze one last call in. And then, guys, come out December 28th, 2016, Regency Square Mall, Arlington Expressway. But this one last call, Colin, you are live on the air. How are you? You're live with Dr. Umar and Robert Simmons. Hello? You're live. Yes. Hi, Dr. Umar. My name is Sasha. I'm actually calling from Phoenix, Arizona, and I want to say it's a pleasure to speak with you tonight. Um, I've been following you for a while, and I just have a few questions here. Um, some of the things I say that our community needs help with is uh, fi- finances and family structure. Our familiar structures are completely broken. And it just seems really heartbreaking when I talk to young people today and I look at families um, that are older and upcoming families, and it just seems that we do not value um, the traditional family structure, like the mother and the father in the home raising children. It seems like there is just degradation there, and we just really don't value it. People don't want to get uh, married a- as much, or maybe they're doing it an- at a later age. What do you think we can do to kind of instill these values in young people and to help people understand that when we make our families strong, um, we will also then make our community strong? And this is aside from economics. Like I understand that all that those things are important as well, but what can we do about fixing this familial breakdown that has happened in the African-American community? Right. Well, firstly, we cannot separate family from the economic structure. Family is a byproduct of society, and society has as its foundation economic processes. So when you look at the breakdown of the black family, you will see that it has uh, concomitantly occurred with the breakdown of black economic power. When people talk about the fact that up until 1960, 1965, uh, about, what, 65% of all black households were two-parented, uh, the husband and the wife were there, and they were married, the mother and the father. Well, also at that time, the father also had a job. And then when you come to the 1970s with the deindustrialization of the inner city and the deindustrialization of the inner city high schools with the arrival of crack cocaine, that's when you begin to see the demise of the black family as a legitimate structure. So you cannot uh, separate the economics from the family piece because marriage at a certain level is a business contract. When you look at why people get divorced, finances is at the top of the list for why people get divorced. One of the reasons why our marriage rate is so low 
uh, in our community is not just because of brothers who are not ready to commit, but it's also because of sisters who have a very high economic expectation of what their partners bring to the table. So if we want to see more strong families, we have to make more strong black men. That's the bottom line. Black men are the only men in America who are out-earned and out-educated by their partners. That has a big role to play in this. Along with that is you're now living amongst a generation of African Americans, most of whom never saw their parents live in the same house. Now, my parents were married. Okay, I was born in the 70s. My parents were married. I saw that. They did subsequently get divorced, but I did live in a married household. Two-thirds of all black young folks today never saw their parents under the same roof. So they don't even have an idea of the traditional black family. And then we have to look at how popular media, the media, rap, R&B, the movies that we make, all advertise and they glamorize infidelity. Look at the rap music that we love to listen to. It does not glamorize marriage. It glamorizes cheating and being a ladies' man. So we have to look at how we are creating a culture within our own community that says it's okay not to be committed to someone of the opposite sex. And, and I understand that, but black people aren't the only people receiving this information, like, and this music. Like, other people are listening to this as well, and they still don't seem to be as impacted as we are. And no one listens like to rap the way we stronger. do. No how do we make our men stronger? Do. What do we do and, with that? Well, remember, we are an economically devastated community. You will never get strong families in an economically weak community, period. Because when you add the stresses of economics to a family, if that relationship wasn't started on a sound foundation in the first place, it can destroy it. Even if it was, mm -hmm. it can destroy it. When a man cannot provide for his family, he's not looking to get married. And then you add to that a woman who is looking for a man to come to the table with equal education or equal economics, a lot of our brothers don't, are not in that situation because of the war against black men, selective targeting of black men for the penal institutions. Once you come out of that jail, you're not in a position to match your sister for her income and her education. So we got to look at, yes, the situation of brothers. We have to get it together, but we also got to look at sisters and how this elaborate materialistic uh, uh, marriage is what a lot of them have have conceptualized you know it's not about love okay. it's about you being able to provide me with a certain quality of lifestyle which in my opinion isn't even necessary but again you cannot solve the black family reality by taking it out of its context you have to put it in its appropriate economic political social and cultural context which is to say you have to look at the role of self-hatred self-hatred plays a big role in why black men and women do not work it out beyond the economics Black, that they don't have to respect black women, and black women have been conditioned that they don't have to respect black men. Okay, guys, <laughs> if this is this this show is so good. We can go on and on. I just don't want the system to kick us out. We are past time. Look, Dr. Umar, thank you so so much. It was a pleasure and an honor. It's going to be a pleasure and an honor to see you on December twenty eighth. Hey, guys, you, we have about seventy calls in queue. People want to speak to you. We're not going to be able to take all the calls. In fact, that was the last call for tonight. But remember, Wednesday, December 28th, 2016, at the Regency Square Mall, that address is 9501 Arlington Expressway, 32225 Suite 205. And, Dr. Umar, before we close out, give them the information that you gave us earlier, how they can get in contact. Yes, uh, tickets, print, prince of pan-Africanism.eventbrite.com. 
PrinceOfPanAfricanism.eventbrite.com. You can also go to my website, DrUmarJohnson.com, and access Eventbrite from there. Or you can text me for the flyer, 215-989-9858, 215-989-9858. Looking forward to it. My first visit to Jacksonville in five years. Thank you very much, Dr. Um, I look forward to our next interview when you come down. Thank you very much. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.